0: This week's episode of the Athletic Business Podcast is brought to you by Synexis. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Business Podcast. I'm Jason Scott. I'm Mandy Berg. And today on the show, we are speaking with Rich Mylan. He's the Director of Recreation at UC San Diego and Amber Luther, she is an architect and market leader in the recreation practice at the architecture firm Populous. Um, Andy, I, I actually had a, a chance to speak with our guests today uh, a few weeks ago now, and, and we were talking about uh, recreation of the future, kind of looking forward um, post pandemic and, and into the future. And, um, for, uh different trends in in recreation design and programming so um it's going to be an interesting okay. conversation some of the things that we spoke about we we reflected obviously on on the year that was in 2020 um talked about integrating uh technology and wellness into into rec centers uh bringing uh recreation kind of beyond the four walls of, of the facility uh and, and the different things that folks can do to attract different demographics and, and a lot more than that so Uh, Interesting conversation. And um, yeah, uh, let's get right to it after a quick break, shall we? Sounds great. Meet the Senexus Biodefense System, the sole developer of patented technology that transforms ambient oxygen and humidity into dry hydrogen peroxide, or DHP. Wherever air goes in your facility, so too will DHP to effectively and continuously reduce viruses, bacteria, mold odors and insects from the air and surfaces. Learn more at synexis.com. That's S-Y-N-E-X-I-S dot com. So Amber and Rich, thanks for joining us today.
1: Good to be here. Hey, good morning.
0: Good morning. Uh, Our subject today is recreation of the future. So we want today to be a forward looking kind of uh, discussion but we can't really talk about the future without uh, kind of addressing the year that was 2020. Obviously, unprecedented year in a lot of different ways, and I'm wondering how the year that we all just lived through um, is influencing expectations, maybe moving forward. Are there any kind of lasting
1: impacts on rec center design? You want to go first, Rich? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, it'll also be good to hear, you know, what the designers are thinking. Uh, for me, uh, I am, you know, I am blessed to be in San Diego. So I don't wanna you know, forget about that as we do have a climate. But yes, for planning for the future now, we really wanna embrace the outdoor environment mm-hmm. and look at spaces on how they can be a blended in that indoor outdoor. And my hope in the future, and we hope to have a new building up in the next two to three years, is to create a building that if this were to happen again, which hopefully it does not, that it would be a space that we wouldn't have to completely close as we've had to do during this time, because it would have enough outdoor space to still have impact on campus. So the biggest thing coming out of this pandemic is to start looking at all of the new outdoor opportunities. And again, being in San Diego, I am blessed with a, a different climate. So I know across the national recreation spectrum, folks will have to you know, think about design on where they, where they live, but I think all of us will look at these opportunities that we won't have to close if this were to pop up again or even be in a smaller space. And then lastly, we uh, at UC San Diego, were already working on this a few years ago, um, but air quality is something we were doing more as a competitive edge Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it can be shown that that is a, is a win for athletes and others working out. But now we'll really go full force, and any new building we build will take into consideration what the how we can maximize air
2: quality in our spaces.
0: That's fascinating. Amber, did you want to weigh in on that as well?
2: Yeah, and I would say from a design perspective, it's been – an interesting year because I think, you know, it took a lot of the things we were doing and saying as a part of our future of rec work uh, and sort of hit the fast forward button, so to speak, you know, I think we're seeing more of an embrace in, in recreation in general, both on the collegiate side and the community side, you know, I was talking to Rich about this the other day. Um, it seems like it's recreation departments are becoming more important and sort of a natural hub for community and engagement, both from the community perspective and the student perspective. Sure. And they're starting to really be seen as, as that critical hub for those things to happen around health and wellness. So I think we're going to see those, those departments, you know, take a little bit more of a bigger role in, in student life and community life and help to steward health and wellness um, even after this pandemic period that we're in. And then I would say it's it's also, you know, in addition to some of the indoor-outdoor stuff that Rich mentioned, I think it's actually sort of led to some interesting um, things re- related to technology. So just thinking about how you can incorporate touchless into your facilities in subtle ways, how can you really make payment for programs or memberships easier and touchless. And, you know, think about some of the things we could do in terms of um, integration of of some of these tech experiences like Hydro or Mirror or Peloton into the facility where, where people might not be able to afford those things at home. You know, I think these are all some of the things we might start to see pop up a little bit more and are really um, maybe some leftover things that that are really a result of, of 2020.
0: Sure, yeah. One of the things that I keep uh, coming back to is uh, as we talk about um, the pandemic, is is that it's um, it seems to have accelerated a lot of existing trends. So things that were already kind of on the upward upward uh, trend, things like outdoor, you know, flexible spaces. Uh, we had seen some rec centers kind of you know going towards designing that way. Even before the pandemic but now i think it's even more important so now that that, that trend is just going to pick up um and uh, again integrating technology it's it's the same kind of thing um it's just uh basically this pandemic is just moving things uh you know at warp speed and we're, we're all trying to adapt to, to life afterwards so um it's really uh fascinating and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, continues to
1: develop yeah and one thing jason i would share and it was something that amber just said, in- Today, we're more talking design, but you could almost do an entire podcast of the impact of recreation on the kind of physical and mental well-being of the campus community programmatically has absolutely been enhanced, you know, throughout this process. So, you know, there is the programmatic side of the future of rec that is, I think, going to really spike, you know, as we get through the pandemic and beyond. Because our impact was just put in a different place on campus and really activated community, probably stronger than most any other department you know had the ability to do. So there is the programmatic side of recreation that I think is really going to you know build off of what we learned.:
0: Sure. yeah, I think that that's a, a really great point. And that actually leads me to a question. Um, that I, I have for you both, which is you know obviously one of the trends that we've been seeing in recreation is is how it's kind of integrating, you know not just physical fitness, it's it's really kind of um, overall well being. And um, I'm just curious, like um, if there are any aspects of um, that trend that are translating into design. And uh, Rich uh, is uh, you know UC San Diego, is there um, anything that you guys are doing e- either design wise or programmatically to kind of um, you know integrate overall wellness?
1: Well, I'd say there's, there's one, you know, very specific thing that we, we did, and it was actually before, right before the pandemic, um, but we've taken a, a real hard look at sleep, and then what, what it means to rejuvenate, and so we've put nap pods into our space, and they were absolutely, just incredibly successful, really successful because our space also is where all the athletes uh, practice and compete. So especially for athletes with early morning practices, the opportunity to take a nap before going to class. But we, you know, we want people to be active, but we want folks to understand that rejuvenation is such an important part physically and mentally. So sleep is something we're looking at. And then we also have learned that there there are a lot of students that a rec center can be intimidating. So we've got to figure out, either virtually or meet the student where they are and bring programming to them. So it's really looking at how you can get outside your four walls, make sure you don't get trapped as a rec center, just opening your door and hoping people show up. You've got to extend yourself. Um, You can have a, you know, a 17, 18 year old first year student, and it, it just might be intimidating to walk into a big, large space where people already feel like you know, they know what they're doing and you're brand new. So how do you really outreach to them? And then finally design wise, um, we're really looking to take one of our activities studios and really lining it up with the right audio visual that we can still use it as a yoga studio live, but we can turn it into our own broadcast space and pump content out to students and community uh, over our website. Sure.
0: Amber, did you want to weigh in on that as well? Is there anything that you're kind of seeing from a design perspective as far as integrating, you know, overall wellness for individuals?
2: Yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot of movement in in a couple of different areas um, and interests specifically in, in program spaces that do bring in different demographics that cater to people who might be intimidated by going into the center, both on the community and collegiate side. And one of the things we've seen a strong interest in recently has been the inclusion of, of e-sports or, you know, studio gaming spaces into rec centers or offering programming, um, you know, online that, that may be, you know, pretty cheap, take a yoga class for five bucks and always have access to it via your rec membership. Um, but do it in the comfort of your living room. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing that's that's going to affect the facility is is probably this idea of trying to bring in people of different abilities, mm-hmm. physical abilities, into the center, um, and people who might not be comfortable through things like esports, and give them a space where, um, you know, they might have access to some gaming stations, some TVs, maybe a small office you know, to practice a presentation for school or even just to have a place to go and, and you know, take your online class that's safe, it has good ventilation, it's quiet um, for people who might not have that in their house. Um, and, then, and then also seeing, you know, the type of space that that requires is actually relatively small when mm-hmm. we think about, you know, it in the scheme of an entire rec center. So that's something that I think we're, we're seeing a lot more of. I think we're starting to see a lot more functional fitness areas and and have them be a little bit more scattered out in the facility, so that you could you could maybe accommodate a period of social distancing as these uh, programs start to reopen at a limited capacity. Um, I think we're going to be obviously, especially you know out here in California, seeing a lot more um, flexibility of outdoor spaces, even in urban rec centers. I think, you know, people are trying to figure out ways where they can, you know, bring classes outside, bring fitness equipment outside, uh, and provide different areas for people to kind of hang out in and work out, or even do a group class outside. Um, I think the nutrition point is is huge, and this idea of sleep and rejuvenation is is something I genuinely wonder how we would adapt design to. You know, is it as simple as as providing a room with with sleep pods, or is it, you know, providing a center, um, you know, where they can go and 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 get mental health care or you know, go through a meditation session and, and maybe have the sleep pods as well. And I know some universities have have done that, you know, and, and seen that as a value add. Um, and I don't know, you know, Rich, if there's anything else that you guys have done in terms of what, you know, does that space just happen in your rec center? You know, does it happen across campus? Does it happen in the residence halls? You know, I, I, I wonder about that and how it will adapt to the future.
1: Yeah, for us, actually, you bring up a couple of things I'll just quickly share. One is we do and have built, um, I've been on campus now going into my fifth year and building a relationship with our housing. It was absolutely one of my first priorities. And we've been able to carve space out and create these small little, what we call mini gyms, Um, you know, operationally, maybe they take a little time, but giving, again, those students that aren't going to come into the big space a smaller space that they can choose to use when they need. And then maybe that builds their comfortability to come to the larger community space later. So that housing connection, I think is really important for recreation to try to get as close to where the students live, depending on kind of the geography of of your campus. The other, we, we did actually, we were in the middle of, so we haven't opened yet, but we have just created a Triton Esports Center And we have 32 rigs in there and we're ready to go. And our two teams are actually still competing at a really high level, but they're finally not going to be, you know, in their apartment, hoping their internet works. We're going to (laughs) have the highest speeds on campus for them to come together as a team. So uh, I appreciate what you shared there because I think it is really important. And then finally in, in design, um, you know, I, I think it was a little bit for cost and it's something we were all used to, but we're all gonna have to start to move away from asphalt and concrete as the outdoor fitness space. One, we all know it's not good for your body physically to be jumping around on it, and it takes away any multi-use because you can't really lift weights on, on that space. So working with architects and flooring vendors, we're really gonna have to start to really think about what our outdoor designs look like and take a hard look at why you would do something with asphalt or concrete, even though that was what we might've all done before for outdoor basketball courts or or otherwise, but it just doesn't give you flexibility to to think about that space differently. Um, So that's another design aspect coming out of COVID that I think is understanding what the best flooring concepts are gonna be for the outdoor environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I certainly think that, um, you know, those outdoor um, environments are going to be beneficial, not just for for you all, you know, where the weather is nice, um, but also uh, really around the country. I mean, I'm coming to you from currently from my basement in Madison, Wisconsin, where we're in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, but, you know, like I, I would like to, you know, have the opportunity to get outside and get some exercise uh, as well um, when it's comfortable to do so. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that those kinds of spaces are going to be Ah, uh, really important, not you know, um not just uh, where the weather's nice, but really all over the country.
1: Um, and and that's of- and Jason just real quick, and that's the mm-hmm. you know that's where leaning into you know our design teams and the architects and the vendors, you're gonna need a you know a flooring that can be in the sun for five or six months out of the year, but then frozen for three or four months out of the year. Right. And that's never going to be easy to maintain. <clears throat> But it's still, I think, an important focus to create the right space when it can be used.
0: That's right. Yeah, and uh, you know, kind of speaking to um, both of you guys, uh, kind of in your in your most recent answers, have, have been um, you know speaking about trying to reach different demographics, uh, you know, with different programs and things like that. I think that kind of um, you know, again, it's just about broadening the concept of what recreation is and 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 what um, you know well being. Um, is So it's it's not just, you know, at the individual level, it's really the whole community. And so your efforts to reach out to housing, I think are, are really important. Um, are there any other kinds of trends that you're, you're seeing on, on campus or Amber in your in your work, um, you know, with, with folks trying to reach out to maybe different demographics or, uh, you know, different, you know, races, cultures, ages even?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're seeing a lot around aquatics um, and how you could provide, you know, an aquatic experience for the family of five with, with children younger than five <laughs> alongside, you know, an element of active adults, uh, you know, who might be training for a triathlon or, or need a lap pool and, and really need to work, you know, in a sort of rigorous manner. Um, and then having both of those things, you know, either within sight of one another or next to each other. Um, so that you do get multi-generational interaction in some way, but you're still providing the experiences that the users want, uh, you know, and require out of the rec center. So I think you're going to see a lot more with aquatics. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, some improvement too, with relation to like those functional fitness areas and, really providing flexible spaces in the right way. Like the last thing you want to do is build a flexible space and it gets used for two or three things. And then the flexibility becomes maybe a maintenance nightmare. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think one of the things we're trying to push for in our designs is to make multi-use gyms, multi-use functional fitness areas, and also, you know, some of the group X rooms a little bit more flexible, but you know, not flexible to the point where they can't accommodate what they need to on a regular basis, like a group class. And I think by doing that, it invites, you know, different opportunities for programming, which is where I think you can start to see, you know, a group X room might be used for a yoga class one day, then a Pilates class the next day, then a boxing class the next day, and a poetry reading the next day. Mm-hmm. And it's able to kind of flex in that way, but in a meaningful way to bring in different community programming um, and, and really start to think about how you get that to happen. And we think really deeply, it's probably kind of nerdy that we think really deeply about experiences in these facilities, because if you think about it, I mean, there's probably 50 different perspectives at a minimum that you have to accommodate. Right. And, and, and by accommodating, accommodating those needs, you're inviting in a whole different group of people, right? And and that's the point. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think we hear a lot, you know, like how do we get our black and brown communities into the rec center? How do we make them feel safe? What programs do we need to offer? And I think, you know, I think Rich mentioned earlier, like we've got we've to look beyond the sort of confines of traditional rec centers, right? And that's why we're starting to see esports come into play, right? Because it's, it's not about anymore. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to go in and play basketball. It's about now I have a space to go in and play video game with my friends. I might as that person, I might have never gone into the rec center without that space being there. But now that I'm here, I can visually see the cool aquatic center and the sort of ninja warrior course, right? And maybe I start to use that stuff. Um, And and so it's it's starting to think deeply about how you bring in different demographics. And and frankly, in some of our community outreach, the only way you can do that is by having a robust community engagement, you know, phase of your design process or, or renovation process and really going out there and saying, hey, you guys are, we want to draw you guys into the rec center. How can we do that? What do you guys need, you know? and without that it's it's really difficult i think to really diversify these facilities uh beyond people who are just going there to work out anyway if that makes sense absolutely I, if I
1: could plug on that and it's great having you know architects on the call here so we can have that conversation is from an owner's perspective and for us we want to meet all those needs um you know somebody shared with me once you know the best negotiation is when both parties leave a little underwhelmed but what we have to do with and really lean into our designers is we don't want to over try to meet so many needs that now the room meets no need and or it doesn't meet the need very well so we're really going to lean into our architects and design teams to create these incredible spaces that meet multiple needs but we'll have to do a great job with them. On one, none of us in Rec have unlimited funds. So we're not going to build a room for everyone. And we can't build a room that either operationally you can't make work so it gets stuck doing one thing. Or it's just not, it works for everyone, but it's not inviting to anyone. So it's going to be that it's and it's not an easy space to be in. And that's why, you know, I love having you know great architecture architects that you can share your need with and then they can go through multiple iterations and they're comfortable to bring others in to give feedback and listen. I'll, you know, over my career now almost 30 years, you know, you've ended up in rooms with architects that this is their design and feedback isn't important to them. And at that point it it's not a community building any longer. It's their vision, which isn't really all that helpful. So it's that feedback loop that's going to be important to us as rec owners because, again, no, we don't have unlimited funds, and we are trying to meet such a broad audience um, in what we do. And that's where I just will always be looking for those design teams that can maximize the use of the space but not diminish the use of the space.
0: Sure. Let's go ahead and sh- uh, switch gears here. Um, I want to make sure that we um – cover a couple of other topics before we have to jump off. Um, early on in the conversation, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, technology integration. Um, are, how, are, how are you all uh, kind of, you know, seeing that, um, you know, take place in, in either, you know, the design or, you know, in, in practice as a, you know, uh, somebody who's in the facility every day?
1: Um, for me, the, you know, there's the small stuff, which is everything touchless, but I think most of us Have been, you know, that's been something you've been modifying buildings for years now. Um, I think the main one for me, technology wise, is going to be air monitoring. Um, So we're spending, you know, and it's not all that, I'll be honest, it's not a tremendous ticket item, but it's really going to be able to tell and have real time data that not only helps us on the utility side of the house, but allows us to have the conversation with folks about how safe and healthy the building is. And I think building health has to be something that we champion as part of our overall wellness wheel. Um, we, We need to know we're inviting people in to physically and mentally perform at their best in a space that is also performing at its best and collecting that data. I'm definitely learning a lot at UC San Diego about of their academic. We have great faculty that want to partner with us on some of these things. Um, so if we become a living learning lab on top of being a wellness space, that is just going to benefit all of us on campus. And so for me, it's the technology to, to gather data and really understand the health of your building. And that's one thing I'm going to push us forward, you know, over the next couple of years to understand that. Yeah, that's fascinating
2: I i would just say that um you know there's so many levels that we could sort of apply to this discussion with technology and rec you know it could be as as sort of broad as saying you know part of the rec experience almost wants to disconnect you from technology in general and get you focusing on your mind and your body um but, you know, I think there are things that make the user experience, particularly for the future generations, seamless and easy without having to have blaring pieces of, of screen or having to go through eight apps to get into your class. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, related to actually you know, so, so-called so cradle-to-grave experiences when you have somebody who's coming in to the rec center. They might be coming in on a schedule, right? So they might have selected a time to come in on their phone. They're going to come in. They know which room they're going to. And all they had to do was sort of reserve a time, right? Everything else is, is taken care of by notifications from an app, for example, um, I think you're gonna have interesting ways that you can incorporate technology into the design. You know, one of the things we did in Aurora, Colorado at their rec center was um, have, you know, users of the water slide be able to customize their experience with video with video themes inside of the slide. So I think wow. there's some meaningful things we can do there but, you know, the last thing we want to do is have screens all over the place uh, in, in a facility like this. So it's it's incorporating those types of things in subtle ways. Um, some of the other things that I think will be really cool t- to, to maybe test and pilot are, you know, how do we give people unique experiences with some of the tech products coming out in REC? And are there opportunities for partnerships or, uh, donations through some of these companies like Hydro or Mirror or Peloton? And can we provide unique experiences like that, maybe on a rotating basis, for people who are interested in testing those pieces of technology that are related to wellness? Um, and then I think, you know, the other piece that we might see a little bit more in addition to what um, we were talking about with kind of air modeling and gathering data and health of the building. Is access control and security? Um, you know, I think there's there's going to be a greater sort of push for that even over the next two years as we look to ramp up opening facilities in a limited occupancy or capacity. And I think you know those those technologies around access ask access control and security are going to play a big role um, in in all of that and, and the data of the building in a holistic way.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, it it is fascinating to think about, you know, I think access control in particular um, as it pertains to, you know, what what we've been living through over these last several months, uh, you know, for in terms of like just being able to do contact tracing or things like that, you know, like if there is a positive uh, test and you happen to know that, you know, via the swipe of someone's card or whatever, like they they were at this rec center during this time and you can maybe notify everybody or or things like that. it's just kind of fascinating um you know what we've been able to kind of innovate um uh over the last uh, several months so um, yeah, I think,
1: Jason, one other i just share from an operation side the more we get vendors creating interesting technologies we're gonna back to the health of the building again with most of us don't have unlimited budget so you can't just hire more folks to clean but how do you clean your building as efficiently as possible and you know what is electrostatic and what sprays work and do you need to wipe it down or will it dry and you know is it safe for the equipment what's best for the flooring so again back to the health of the building Um, you know we just hope and i've seen some really nice products come out that we've ordered and have been using that allows with the same amount of staff uh, the opportunity to clean the building at a different level. So we'll just hope that, you know, folks are still putting effort into creating those opportunities. Uh, it'll really assist us down the road, again, keeping a space that we're comfortable to invite, you know, people into.
0: Absolutely. Uh, shifting gears again, uh, that was a wonderful uh, little discussion on tech, but uh, now I'm curious about, um, Sustainability, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, moving forward, again, this is a, a trend that we've seen um, really go- going on for, for years now is, is just creating, you know, green buildings. Um, how important is that uh, to, to your clients, Amber? And uh, are there any kind of uh, sustainability efforts that you're seeing folks push for in particular?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it comes up on every project. And it comes up in different ways, and I think the most common way is, you know, while we have sort of um, rating systems like LEED and, and others, I think people, especially here in California, are really interested in just lowering their operational costs and, you know, conserving resources. And I, you know, kind of goes to what Rich was just talking about with, you know, how do we make our cleaning processes more efficient. Um, without spending a ton of money. It's, it's the same idea with sustainability. It's like, how do we lower our energy use? How do we conserve water if we have a, an aquatics facility? How do we you know, think about um, reducing the operational costs of the building every year? Um, and, and thinking about sustainability in a holistic way um, from the facility perspective, but I think we're also seeing a big push for thinking about it from a programming perspective. How do you continue to stay relevant and offer programs that bring in different groups? Just, just as an example, again from our Aurora project, you know we were trying to attract a bunch of different folks to the facility, right? A diverse community. We weren't going for everybody and, and trying to fit it into the building. But some of the things that I think are going to make that facility sustainable in the future are, you know, there was a cooking, a catering kitchen that was added um they can rent that out for parties for group you know um gatherings and cooking classes um but it's it's something that brings in a different dem- demographic they also built in an escape room you know so there, there are some interesting things happening i think from a program perspective that will help generate revenue that will speak to the idea of of sustainability from a fiscal perspective if that makes hmm. sense
0: sure yeah absolutely Rich, did you want to weigh in on on the subject of sustainability
1: uh, at all? Yeah, I would just, uh, the two things I'd share is one, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word sustainability, but a little outside of maybe the environment. I think the pandemic has definitely shown us that we as programmers have to make sure that our programs are sustainable. So sustainability for us is is taken on a little different word of what if something happens and how do you keep it flowing? So that's on one side, the other one um, is, you know, I work with a, a different generation of students over time. And although important to us recreationally about operation functions budget, students want to know we're having global impact. So great, you put in a low flow water system and we save 50 gallons, but what did that really do to, to a global perspective? So it's really talking about these things that you can say you've moved into a new function away from an old function that was and this new function will, will really have impact in the San Diego community in California in the US and you know and it it really ripples out from there and yeah you know, I don't mean to be generic when I say function, but it could be anything. You're moving from fossil to solar. You're doing this. instead. So sustainability for students carries so many different kind of viewpoints. But what I've been seeing in talking with students probably over the last 10 or 15 years, great, it saved budget on campus. But what's our global? What is our state impact? What's our national impact? And our are we actually doing something that has a global impact? Um, right, and I think that'll be the next iteration. Is always thinking about and sharing with students, we're doing this, and here's all the levels of goodness that's coming out of it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and, and in terms of you know what you were kind of speaking on earlier, as far as community engagement, what a great way to you know get people excited about a building is uh, making sure that. Um, you know, like the, the building is sustainable and, and getting making them feel like they're a part of making a global impact, like you said.
1: Yeah. And if you, uh, and the other thing we found on that, you know, some sustainable things cost a little more money. Um, but if you can show a broad impact across multiple layers, folks that give think about what that is a little differently. And if, especially grant funding or some foundations that are out there. If, you're, if you can put in something sustainable into your project that has a national or international impact, giving becomes a little easier for some of your advancement people to ask for funding that then go towards your project. So uh, the other thing I would just recommend to everyone, don't let a sustain, the cost of sustainability get in the way. Uh, because there are definitely other ways to get some of those things funded. And the impact on your operations, your building, and and the story you can tell is priceless. Absolutely. Um,
0: And uh, as we begin to kind of wrap up here, um, kind of looking into the future, are there any other trends that are on your radar that we haven't uh, yet touched on uh, in today's conversation?
1: I can share one, and for every campus, it's going to be different. Typically, it it depends on how uh, grad student-heavy your campus is, Uh, but I've definitely seen over time more parents that are now students, and Mm -hmm. creating space for their children to learn, grow, and at the same time, get away so they can... Focus on their studies or their research or whatever that might be. Um, I, I think it is a new community impact, and especially for staff and faculty. I mean, that goes without for me. It goes without saying, but so staff, faculty, and students that are parents creating an environment on campus that is fun, engaging, allows the kids to learn. Um, is i think a real benefit and it's something we're going to spend some time looking at it does go back to what i said earlier it, that adds another layer of people you're trying to design your building for and designing for you know a seven and eight year old kid is not a collegiate environment so you do have to blend it a little bit and but i do believe for you know that where we are in space and i would recommend to other universities you know, taking a pulse of how can you impact the community by really running great programming for kids. And I'm, again, biased being, I've been in rec my whole career. I just think recreation staff, they just have a programmatic mentality that leads to fun, engaging learning environments. So I think we're poised to do really well in that space. And down the road, it usually can lead to some nice financial gain, because uh, camps cost money. And then you can use some of that hopeful revenue to turn around and do other great programs now that students might get at no cost. So it, it, it's usually a, a pretty good cycle, but that would probably be the one beyond what we've already talked about today.
0: Fantastic. Amber, any, any, anything on the, on the design side um, sticking out to you as uh, maybe the wave of the future in uh, 2021 and beyond?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I think we've covered it from the collegiate perspective, but I would just add from the community rec perspective that I think the the rec centers and, and rec programs are going to be, the challenge is going to be how do you embrace this whole life wellness, right, coming out of a pandemic that has impacted a lot of people in different ways, and how do community rec centers or even collegiate rec centers play a role in really promoting whole life wellness and sort of preventative health monitoring and, and integrate with all of the stuff on the technology side and all of the stuff on the programming side. And I know, you know, Rich has been busy the past couple of weeks converting for, um, immunization site here in in San Diego. And so it's like, how do rec centers really play a role in that beyond just the programs they offer and the spaces they provide? I think it's something that's going to require some deep thought and a little bit of research. Um, And I'm really interested to see where it goes because I think it has the potential to have a positive impact on communities at large. You know, if, if some group is responsible for thinking about how you go through your day and, in a healthy way and, and really communicating that back out to communities uh, and, and campuses alike. I think that we could have a positive impact in a, in a much bigger way in the future. Uh, and that's, that's sort of where I think it's gonna go naturally anyway, because like Rich said, these people who run rec departments, both on the collegiate and community side, are they're just geniuses at coming up with cool fun engaging things to do and and how that sort of positively impacts not only your physical health but your mental health as well which i think is just going to be priority number one coming out of this time
0: absolutely i think that's a great place to end it uh so amber luther and rich Mylan, thanks so much for joining us today yeah thanks Once again, our great thanks to Synexis for sponsoring this episode of the athletic business podcast. All right. And we're back. Uh, Jason, great, great conversation. Um, some interesting stuff there about what to expect on college campuses in the future. That's right. Yeah. Um, there, there are some bits, ne- uh, near the end there about uh, building health and sustainability that I thought, um, are, are really going to be kind of interesting, uh, things to kind of track as, as we move forward here. So, uh, definitely some things to, um, Keep on your radar as you're looking to, you know, maybe um, build a new recreation facility or, um, you know, renovate. So definitely some right. things to keep track of moving forward. And actually, speaking of, of facilities, Andy, I think we have an update on the showcase. Yeah. So uh, speaking of those who may have uh, built or completed a renovation or a facility, um, we have extended the submission deadline for the architectural showcase to March 26th. So you still have some time, um, get those projects in so that our readers can see them and they can be considered for the facilities of merit. Yeah. um, We've been mentioning uh, the showcase on the last couple of episodes. Great program. Not going to speak too much more on it. You've heard our spiel before, um, but definitely get those in. That's coming up on, that deadline's coming up on Friday. So couple more days to, to round up those projects and get those uh, submitted so um that's gonna do it though for this episode of the athletic business podcast thanks so much for listening and uh we'll see you next time until then take it easy